football overtime. Hello and welcome oh, one second that's not how it to start Italy are the champions of Europe Argentina managed to bury their ghost to the past and we have a very very happy person after a very very busy super sunday where we had copa america finals a wimbledon final totally unrelated and the euro 2020 final i was right all the time wasn't i oh man born <laughs> got lucky but deservedly so first messi finally shed tears of joy after some international success and then varun's final prediction comes good it's right all along the tournament <laughs> well, well okay you had like three people on the table so oh who's this voice oh it's anya she's back uh, couldn't do anything about southgate anya yep disappointed but should i start ranting guys <laughs> you don't look that disappointed Yeah. Yeah, I mean I channel all the sadness. I'm not a true English fan. A true English fan will go beat up. Not to be mean, but Anya channels her uh, like disappointment and laughter. So yeah, it really works really well. You guys should try it. Anyways, so I can start ranting now. I think. Um, see, you know, so England basically they reached their first. They've never been to the Euro finals before, so I guess it was like. a first time for them but that is not a good excuse for how they played last night let's start off with the lineups wow when i saw the lineups i was extremely disappointed he's playing eight people at the back what is he trying to achieve like three people in front see it's a finals right i know italy have like you know they press really well and stuff but that doesn't mean your whole team goes and defends and then some chatte counter attacks in the middle where you lose the ball like i don't know what southgate is thinking honestly But I think the first twenty minutes, England played really, really well. Um, they got that goal in, and I think that was really clinical of them. Cause like Italy always take time, at least in my opinion, they always take like the first fifteen twenty minutes to like you know dip their water into the tournament and then start playing. They start pressing, right? So England actually capitalized on those first fifteen minutes and they scored a beautiful goal. Shot, damn good touch. The fans helped them too. The atmosphere that pushed them through. Yeah. The ball just went in. Yeah, but then after that twenty minutes, they just dropped that. You know, the possession dropped to like twenty nine percent. It was yeah. really bad. See, that that's the character Italians showed. Like when you go two minutes down, like two minutes into the game, you're one nil down at Wembley against England, and people around you are going mad. The mental character they showed to like hold the ball, keep it with them, control the game. And then actually go forward. It just speaks a lot about their, you know, mental strength. They could have easily just thrown it away, and England could have put two inside, three inside. You never know. But Italy showed that they actually are the mature team in this, and they deserve to win. Like no doubt. Hundred percent. I don't care if they say England was like it's a disgrace and all, but I would, Italy deserve to win. And even throughout the tournament, Italy have been really good. Yeah. Whereas I think England have just squeezed through. You know, throughout the sixteen. Just I, I remember when we had this podcast a few weeks back. Both of you were like England are the disappointment so far. Well, they made it to the final, so let's give them that much credit. Yeah, uh, and their first final, so yeah, they conceded what like two goals. Yeah, yeah. throughout the tournament, and that's pretty good. And you know that's what it brings me to this. My next point being England's defense is just 
I mean, I think if I had to give give credit to England, it'd be their defense. Wow, the way first of all the way Maguire held the defense, damn, he was so good. Obviously, the Italy defense is also, I mean, the uh, to another level also. But like England, Stones, Walker, wow, the way they just held that line and how much Italy were pressing, man. Like, come on, they held them off till like what seventieth minute or so. And that goal was not like a wonder strike. Yeah, some, some uh, thunder shot. Yeah. <laughs> it was a desperate measure, and it got it. You know. What you never know what would have happened if the ball had gone the other way again. If it hit the post and gone for a corner, so that was luck. But it's obviously, good. yeah, obviously the yeah. game was being played at like some two x speed. And the <laughs> shot, the shot that was actually taken, Pickford uh, saved that shot. It was yeah. just the rebound which he didn't catch the ball and the rebound. I think it was an unfortunate. It was goal. coming. We knew the goal was coming. Yeah, yeah, that's true. If that, if not that goal, some goal would have come coming, yeah. by the end. But not to mention, England also could have increased their lead. In- yeah. in- Like in that first crucial thirty minutes, twenty minutes when they played class football, they could have easily taken a, like second goal and put it way past Italy. But like you said earlier, that experience of just hanging in there, just waiting and then waiting for their opportunity, and then slowly as the game continued, you could see the midfield got yeah. more and more, you know, uh, compact. confident, yeah, yeah. compact, and then Jorginho found his space and Correct. now. Kiesa, I mean, I know he was unable to make a difference on the final, but he's had a beautiful tournament. He's been like he's shown up this tournament. And coming back to England's defense, we've told how good they are defensively, but now the pragmatism has reached the level where it's like negative at this point. Yeah. So like the approach negative uh, uh, England had was negative throughout. You've you've gone one nil up in the two minutes. Why do you sit back and defend? Yeah. Just continue playing. You're at Wembley. Continue playing. Yeah, you have the fan support. Exactly. And you have to push through. You can't slack off after the first thirty minutes and then want to win the Euros. Like it doesn't work like that. Like you see Mancini, what he did after they conceded. Italy were playing very wide in the first ten minutes. Yeah. And then they became compact. This like do what they do best. Yeah. Keep the ball. That's it. And then they progress towards it. Then England. They didn't make any substitutes. What yeah. what were they substitutes? Hardly. I mean, but see, also going back to the England defense. Sorry, that mm-hmm. we're going so back and forth. But like the way in the first thirty minutes, Shaw and Trippier just like pressed so much from the wings. It made such a good impact. But then again, obviously, they came compactly. Yeah. So that that's mature decision making yeah. by Mancini. Like the substitutes he made in fifty fifth minute. I think Berardi came on for Immobile so that they could play in the midfield more and they don't have a striker up there. But then, what is England doing? Yeah. They bring on Grealish in the hundredth minute. Yeah, and then Rashford and Rashford, Sancho, like just big penalties. Yeah, you know it's so sad how I feel like I know it's the finals and you should give a little leverage to the experience, but. Considering the way the youth have played through the whole season, even club football, mm-hmm. you should be playing them in the finals. Exactly. I like mean, at least twenty minutes. Don't come for like two minutes. Or yes, that's. It's sad how he just brought them on for the penalties where I feel like they deserve to play a good half of the match at least. Yeah. Also, Roberto Mancini, like he had a set side throughout the tournament. He knew who was going to play centre back, who was going to play right back, left back, who was going to play up front, who was going to play in the midfield. Everything was set. Like at the final, you could predict it. Like this was going to be the lineup. On the other hand, England, you never know. They could be three at the back, four at the back. Yeah, they had see, far when, too many options. Sorry. No, no. When the tournament started out, it felt like Southgate had a good headache. You know, yeah. so many options. The number of left backs we spoke about. Yeah. You know, earlier on. But as the tournament progressed, 
I started feeling like you know this headaches become a curse now. Mm. Oh, everybody wants him to play Sancho. No, everybody wants him to play Foden. No, Foden's injured. Now somebody else. Saka. So yeah, this this headache actually became a curse for him. I feel, and then he had to keep changing formation. So we had very few like Harry Kane always played, Luke Shaw played, but then you as you said. You couldn't predict the lineup, yeah. and I think after a point, he himself was like, like in a big tournament like this, you have to have some clear clarity of what you're going to do. And not only that, I feel like when players like if you play together since the beginning of the Euros as like a starting yeah. eleven, you build that sort of chemistry in yeah. the team as such. But with so many substitutions here and there, changing their lineups and stuff, England probably didn't. Speaking of substitutions too, it's not like Mancini. Like we'll just go with that, the same philosophy. He can switch. He can go defensive, sit back. Even he almost like start pressing up ahead. But Southgate, he just like the negative approach again. It's like I want to change hundred minute. Grealish yeah, is the hundred minute. Well, well, Grealish can make such a difference exactly. on the field, and then how he brings him on in the hundred minute, it's just sad. Yeah. I was, was disappointed. Well, the Mancini has like is beyond. I could see him. He's, he was like crying like anything after the final. So you could tell that you know it was something special for him. He necessarily hasn't was like Italy. First of all, I think are like the were the dark horses. Correct. Yeah. And then their unbeaten streak continues. It's still alive. Yeah. It's insane. I don't know. He just got to be given far too much. I mean, he has transformed this team. 2018, they don't make it to they the World Cup. Exactly. <laughs> and now, three years later, they're European champions, and they've beaten England in their own home ground. The home curse continues. <laughs> England couldn't, uh, I mean, make a difference at Wembley with so many fans also. So it's insane. And talking about the fans, man, they need to have some sanity. I don't know. I don't understand the English fan. Uh, you know the. Do they have They're any morals? Well, like, yeah, no, there's I'm a small group of people who are toxic. Let's yeah, say that. Yeah. not generalize it. But that small group that it highlights. I mean, see, I feel like it. It comes out to respect at the end. I mean, booing to other people's national anthem. Uh, the laser incident that happened against Denmark. Now actually beating up Italian fans after the. Um, Game, I think it just it boils down to respect and how it's sad. How I I know I mean I understand you're excited that England's finally come to the finals and they have had a decent streak in the tournament I'd say, but disappointment again all over written all over my face, yeah. all over all England fans' faces. <laughs> and you know it's not like the end of the world. Yeah, it's a tournament. It's not even the World Cup, and it's not like the same. It's not like some Belgium situation. I won't let them know <laughs> where it's like the golden age or something. Where it's like half the half the squad is going to go. It's such a young squad. Yeah. Is and next year is the World Cup for all. Eighteen you know. months we have another tournament. Yeah. yeah, so you can't go around vandalizing Rashford's mural in Manchester. You can't boo. Black like a Black Lives Matter taking yeah. the knee, and even after like all three of them, Rashford, Saka, and Sancho missed the penalties. The amount of racial backlash they faced on the internet, in person—I don't know how, where else—but it's just sad. I mean, yeah. they don't deserve it. They are so young; they were twenty-three, nineteen at that yeah. age group. They have their whole life ahead of them, their whole football career. And if if you give so much negative energy right now, how are they supposed to come back stronger? Right? It just brings down their confidence. Yeah, and the penalty was sad. <laughs> it was, but you still support your players no matter how they played, right? 
and then it's almost like they're uh, like blind to the situation around who storms the Wembley in a COVID like in a pandemic. Now this becomes just some I mean super spreader event, and then the whole like topic changes. The whole everybody's not going to focus on Italy's celebration. It's exactly. become like how English fans just ruined the whole oh, final, yeah. and and then who knows what will happen to England. Correct. So that insight also is missing from, like you said, that toxic small group. I obviously know that it's yeah, not Yeah, we can't generalize, that's true. But sure. it's just that. I feel like when we talk about penalties, we ha- first we have to talk about how... Um, Southgate brought on Rashford and San- Sancho to take the to take penalties. Both of them missed. Negative uh, approach again. Yeah, and then and then you and then Saka takes a decisive penalty. I mean, he's 19 years old, dude. You can't put so much emotional pressure on that kid. And then after that, how much backlash he faced. It's, so that's how they decided, right? He said in the post-match interview also that I told who's going to take which penalty, and I take full like uh, criticism for, criticism for that. But that's wrong. In a final that, you let the players decide who wants to take when and what penalty. You don't make a player take a penalty because you are adding pressure to the player and the atmosphere itself is going to add pressure. So you have to let the players choose who's going to take it. You don't tell Saka that boss, you're going to take the penalty. You let people come up, whoever is confident, whoever is feeling it at that moment, let them take it at that time. You don't put pressure on people like Saka. Who is again 19 years old? Well. I mean, the amount of pressure. First of all, you're playing at home, right? So the amount of fans, the amount of fans, the amount of people who are looking at you taking the last penalty, which will decide the champions of Europe, right? So, it it I don't understand this decision making. I mean, there was Grealish, there was Shaw, there was Sterling. How did Saka take the penalty? I'm yeah. I'm still confused. Well, it's. You know, I have to say, England have this, uh, he was not uh, taking a penalty for like championship, but he was taking a penalty to keep England in it, which is even more important after a point because winning, like Jorginho had the opportunity to like miss a penalty in some sense because yeah. he didn't, it was not like a uh, do or die kind of situation, although it would have been nice to see him finish it off. But England have this uh, policy of take, the putting the best first and you know, so Kane came first and Maguire. But I feel like, you know, maybe that's not the best approach, especially when there's so many youngsters playing and so many youngsters taking the, you know, penalty shootouts. But Wait, for all said and done... One second, I'm going to cut you off here. I'm so sorry, but guys, did you see Maguire's penalty? That's like perfect penalty. I mean, I have to mention how he was so good in the defense. His penalty was absolute beauty. And then, and then you see him in Manu. Like when you compare the two, it's just sad. Manu puts so much pressure on Maguire. I don't think he's not able to like perform at all. I really wish to see him in this form in Manu. I think it'll may take Manu like really. That's another topic for another yeah. podcast. Yes. <laughs> well, all said and done, I think it all came down to the man of the tournament, Donnarumma. He saved them against Spain, and he's done it again against England. I think at 22, he really deserves some credit. A lot of credit. Free agent, mm-hmm. uh, I think supposed to join PSG, but I, we don't know. But at 22, winning the man of the tournament, what? Like, if he's good, then a goalkeeper is winning the man of the tournament. I know. It's a different it's, feeling. It's a different feeling around him. And he's not had an easy, I bet. Uh, the um, first goal also, he was like uh, lost. But for the penalties, I think it's just generally like he gets the advantage because he's huge. Mm-hmm, yeah. He does not look 22 to start. Definitely <laughs> not. Like he looks much older, but he just looks and then the way he just moves is precise. 
Yeah. And I really, I really have a compliment. Even after he saved the winning penalty, he was like so calm, like yeah, so calm. Guys. I know. So don't but then, see, awesome. come on, Pickford also. I mean, I know he did kind of mess up a little bit in the penalty taking, but throughout the game when Ingl- uh, when Italy was pressing, he saved so many cha- like mm-hmm. could be goals, you know. Yeah. I think he's a good keeper too. He does his own. Yeah, actually, and he saved Jorginho's pen. Exactly. And Jorginho, I feel like his pen is getting a little bit uh, repetitive. Yeah. Yeah. He has to bring in that you know that Maguire (laughs) pen where he does the jump but still hits it. Slightly above the beauty of the written, exactly. Yeah, beauty top corner. Well, despite all that beauty, Italy were the better team. They were the best team throughout the tournament, and they completely deserved it. Forza Italia. Well, it was a long wait, 53 years since they last lived in 1968 and even then, they won the semi-finals when a coin toss against the Soviet <laughs> Union. So, completely backed them, but it isn't coming home. It's coming Rome, it's coming Rome. Why are you dancing Anya? They lost. Banuji sings it better though. Yeah. Okay, so the best part of the Super Sunday was not Italy winning the Euros, personally for me. It was Argentina finally winning the Copa America and Messi. It, it meant so much to him. It, we could see it. Like I'm so passionate right now talking about yeah, it. Forget, forget how much it meant to, meant to Messi. Like Varun was jumping with joy practically the whole day. Well, uh. of course I was, man. The heartbreak, 2014, 2015, 2016. And then 2018 World Cup was trash again. 2019 was some referee mistake. Now they finally win it. You have to feel happy for him. But as a football fan, this is a victory for football. I know that's a deep statement, but this is a victory for football. And even after they won, you could see everyone just ran towards Messi. Yeah. And they, like, they piled up and all. But that's how much it meant to everyone in Argentina for them to win it for Messi. Like, they wanted to win it for Messi. I know. And it was not like they just played some... It was a stadium where Argentina lost to Germany. Exactly. It wasn't some, you know, it was in Brazil's... Uh, it was in Rio. The Brazil and Brazil were favourites. And the last time they played, Brazil knocked out Argentina. How many things were against them? And yet, Messi made it count. Who knows? And I have to tell you, despite Messi's heroics, my standout was their keeper. He knew and comes from the Premier League, but Emilio Emiliano Martinez never gave up. Okay, I'm not joking. His story is insane. He left for Argentina for he left from Argentina for Arsenal at the age of just 18, and took six loan spells in almost 10 years to break into the Arsenal team. And then after whatever being second second the second keeper uh, behind Bert Leno, mm-hmm. he left for Aston Villa and played a full season for the first time uh, last last year, and now he made his Argentina debut just one month ago. And he's the goalkeeper and of the tournament. And he's the goalkeeper of the tournament. And he basically beat, got them into the finals. Exactly, that penalty. What a legend, man. I have to tell you, I can't tell you how much. I think, and you can tell the, the amount of time Messi hugged him. Yeah. I think it was like at least five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He knew that. Because if they had played some other, the goalkeepers they had played in, uh, in, in uh, the World Cup, they wouldn't have gone yeah, half yeah. as far. Goalkeepers matter so much. I mean, we just talked about Donnarumma, like he's yeah, a player yeah. of the tournament, and that made a huge difference. Uh, but well, he also, you know, for him also, it feels like 
he legit said everything I do and work for will be to help Lionel Messi win. Imagine what a work exactly. Imagine what kind of and it wouldn't be happier if he won the Copa America of the World Cup with him. Insane. It matters so much to everyone there. I mean, there was reports that even some Brazilians were supporting Argentina because they wanted Messi to win it. But of course, that's yeah. uh, now to all the Ronaldo fans who always countered the exactly. the I mean, Messi well, argument, saying no international trophies, dude. We're not going to talk about Ronaldo today. Today is only <laughs> Messi. Okay, I'm sorry out there, all the Ronaldo fans, but it's only Messi day today, and you you have to be happy for him. I'm going to say this again. Football won yesterday. <laughs> and talking about the game, the Brazil Argentina match. Well, it was war. <laughs> it was hard football. Uh, it's like you have to bleed before you win. The game. <laughs> That's the way they play. If not for the ball, if they don't get the ball, they yeah. go for the player. <laughs> the objective is to stop the player. With the ball, without the ball, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Stop the player. There was not one minute where they didn't go without a foul. Like yeah. every one minute, there was a. Yeah, this is the first time I watched Copa America, and oh man, first of all, the commentary was so boring. It was okay. early in the morning too. <laughs> <laughs> and then every one minute. There was a yellow card. Every I think like nine yellow cards to that match. Not to mention that like uh, there were ten in the semi final, but nine <laughs> yellow cards. It just shows that that who is that dude's foot? It was bleeding. It looked like he, he had yeah, like a red yeah. uh, stocking. So it's but, not easy. But despite all that, Di Maria made it count, and he's made it count every time. In Beijing, when they won the uh, gold medal. Yeah. He scored, so seems to be that vital part. He also won the man of the match, so I think well deserved. Obviously, a mistake, mm-hmm. but uh, made the most of and it. And tactically, also, I think Scaloni got it like spot on. Uh, beating Brazil is not a, a small task in Brazil, that too. And you know, he you took, went with uh, Angel Di Maria instead of uh, uh, Giovanni, someone. But that that makes a lot of difference. You know, he wanted to sit back and then also play on the counter too. Uh, Tite got it all wrong. Uh, Renan Lodi, pff, I don't yeah. know. So, and Scaloni, you have to give him immense credit, man. Like 2018, he just took like a shamble of a team from Sao Paulo, and now they are actually like made a winning team. So, and I think for the next World Cup, they are one of the not favorites, but you have to keep an eye for them. Well, I mean, you got to say after all the disappointments Neymar's had, he had a good game yesterday, yeah, man. He's good. had a good, decent tournament. He got like obviously, I feel like. It's just hard for him because of the way we spoke about how the game is basically like war. Yeah. <laughs> but he played well. I think they, Argentina kept him quiet, and that's one reason why, like you know, they managed. Yeah, and yeah. for some reason, like they just didn't take shots. It didn't feel like you know. It was like a, it felt like a one nil all. No, something. I'll tell you what. Okay, so Argentina would go. Uh, Brazil would come to the Argentinian D, and then someone would get a yellow card, or yeah. like uh, the Argentinian defense would just clear the ball off, or basically have a clean tackle, and then. They, This cycle would start all over again. Like I feel like the whole second half was basically that. Second half was nervy. I mean, it was very hard to watch for me. But yeah, they got over the line. That's what matters. Also, speaking of the other side of the coin, Neymar has won nothing with the national team yet. Uh, hopefully, he can do it. He has a few good years ahead of him. The hug between Messi and Neymar at the end was also fitting. Like real brotherhood. Much awaited, you know, by the, all the fans. Yeah, he's not coming to Barca. I mean, just a hug, guys. Relax. <laughs> uh, and uh, Messi at the end dedicated his win to his family, his uh, friends, and of course the legend Diego Maradona. I mean, you know, we all know how much it means to Argentinians that Diego Maradona should have been there, but of course it's it's special. And to end, I would like to quote Leo Messi from his Instagram itself: "To be able to continue celebrating, we have to keep taking care of ourselves." Do not forget that there is still a lot left to return to normal, and take advantage of this happiness to grab a little strength to fight together and win the virus. 
Thank you God for everything you gave me and thank you for making me Argentine. Champions of America. Wow, this is way too emotional. <laughs> <laughs> and now that is an ending. It has been one incredible month of football where we have two amazing tournaments and I've had two very very satisfying endings. And to top it all off, the three of us will be sharing our uh, best 11 of the Euros on Instagram. Do let us know what you think about it. But that's all from the Football Overtime podcast this season. See you next time. Bye guys. Take care. Bye.